0: This week's Merge Conflicts is brought to you by Telerik. Telerik UI for Xamarin is a collection of visually stunning controls for non-trivial UI scenarios. You know, stuff that you're actually building. You can easily integrate the UI for Xamarin through NuGet or Visual Studio templates and start shipping beautiful Xamarin applications faster with a delightful user experience. You can try all of the beautiful charts, graphs, and controls in Telerik UI for Xamarin completely for free with a free 30-day trial. All you have to do is head to telleric.com/mergeconflict to get your free 30-day trial and download their sample apps to see all of the beautiful charts and controls in action. Head to telleric.com/mergeconflict. Frank, if we're not talking about augmented reality on Merge Conflict, you know, we're talking about machine learning. And I had a question for you, Frank. Ooh, yeah. I've been really interested in machine learning. And I just heard Miguel at .NET conference talk about CoreML and how the new mm-hmm. um, Seeing AI team is using the ML bindings. And I thought to myself, because I think you'd been challenged before, and I sort of wanted to <laughs> set off a challenge based on your challenges. What if I wanted to create an app like Hot Dog or not literally overnight what yeah. would I actually have to do to build it? Is, is that possible?
1: Funny, funny you should mention that. Uh, I I had a few beers the other night, and I I was convinced that I could absolutely write this app in mm, what three or four hours, no big deal. Then someone assured me that oh, there's research papers on this. It's actually a little more complicated than you thought. I said no. Three to four hours, just another beer and I'm all set. <laughs> so, um, that ended with me going home and falling asleep, not writing a neural network. <laughs> because the truth is, uh, it, it would have been quite a bit of work in three to four hours. But with something you just showed me recently and something we'll talk about in this episode, things are getting a lot easier than that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that we, we, we talked a lot about, machine learning and neural networks and the core concepts behind it. But I guess we didn't really talk about what are the steps that one would take to get started? So like, where would I even yeah. go to learn about it? But then what would I have to do as a developer to actually train these? Because we talked about the concepts, right? We're like, all right. Right, you have thousands of images, you <laughs> shove it in a network, and then you get this model, right? <laughs> yeah, it's so means. simple.
1: No, so I thought it, it would be fun to get our hands a little dirty here. And we'll get into some low levels of how you actually at home could sit down and train your own networks, shove them onto your iPhone, phone and start doing hot dog or not thought it'd be kind of fun because this task actually has gotten small enough where we should be able to cover it in not its entirety but at least get you started right <laughs> okay okay <laughs> yeah so um th- there's two ways that i've um i've thought about doing this one is the manual way where you're at home you get your machine all set up you you Build a a network, a model on your own computer, and then you train it with lots of images on your computer. And this is the technique I had planned to use. Uh, So it sounds terrible, but I really do believe you can do something like this in three to four hours. So we have that option. And then we have the bright future cloud-based learning where you can um, just upload all your images and have the model learn up there. which one should we go over first? Because they both are interesting.
0: So you're saying, so the first one, is that like when I'm going and I'm going to go download TensorFlow and then I'm going to create? Okay. So that's what we've talked about, right?
1: (laughs) It's ugly. Yeah. You download a bunch of software, you get all your drivers set up, you run a bunch of Python scripts and it's ugly. Yeah. We've talked about it at a high level before. Um, Things have gotten a little easier, but. That it's still the uglier approach.
0: Now, in that instance, am I basically going to destroy my my machine by installing all this craziness? And then, th- and that in that instance, <laughs> I install this stuff, but I still have to know how the thing works, right? Like I have to know uh, how neural network works
1: in detail. uh in You detail. really have to under yeah, you have to understand how neural networks work, and in particular particular you have to know how your neural network works so you're you're probably going to get an off-the-shelf one something someone else has already written so you're going to read all their documentation learn all its uh and all its sillinesses, all its foibles, what it's good at, what it's bad at. Um, but you are going to set up a Python machine. You can use Docker images. You know, people love Docker. and uh, Docker it up. It gets, yeah, it, which sounds terrible, but it honestly is the better approach because then you're not messing with your own machine. So you can set up a pretty nice Docker image for training neural networks, but it's still going to be um, a lot of scripts <laughs> that you're writing and a lot of data.
0: Well, I'd have to imagine that there's something, and maybe you know, that enables me to do this without having to worry about setting up the machine, getting, like there has to be software built on top of this that I could run that like simplifies it. Cause I think of like Docker, like you're talking about Docker and I don't know much about Docker, but in visual studio, I can right click and say add Docker (laughs) support. Right. And then I can right click and say publish and put it up to Azure container (laughs) registry. Right. Like, is there something on my desktop that I could install that says, Hey, listen, here's a bunch of images. And I've put like a bunch of dog images and cat images (laughs) and hot dog (laughs) images in there. And like, can you just give that to me? And then what would I get out of it? I guess too
1: no no it's not quite that easy just yet (laughs) um so let's talk about layers so we can do what i was just talking about before where we train the neural network on our machine uh that gets tedious after a while because you have to have a good machine so the second step is you can use someone else's machine so google has a service yeah azure has a service uh aws has a service but it all comes down to you still just get a command line on like a linux box And you're still just running scripts. So you're still going to have to really know what you're doing, know how the scripts work to train the network and all that. So it's pretty close to what you said about like putting images into a directory and then running a script against the directory. You can get it there, but there's nothing like pretty and off the shelf and packaged up all that nicely. Let's call that the second layer of all this but then and i keep alluding to it there's a beautiful third layer where people actually do put a a humane interface on top of it where you just upload images like Flickr and then just start tagging them but the problem is it becomes a limited domain then but Mm. let's uh do you want to talk about that second layer is that all at all interesting to you that's the semi-manual approach but it's off your machine
0: well i think I would be totally, I mean, I think I've gone through that, right? Because essentially we were doing like my driving, which had all this data that was flowing in. And then we created mm-hmm. a, an Azure machine learning module and had inputs, ah. outputs, and and all that. Is that what you're talking about essentially?
1: Yeah, uh, probably still lower level though, because in my mind, I'm imagining a bunch of Python scripts and <laughs> directories and all of that. You don't get a web interface. Um, but it, it, what it is for is it's for people who do want to develop their own models but don't have all the hardware for it so this is when you've when you've gotten deep down into it you've learned how to make your actual own neural networks but you don't have a million billion dollars worth of cpu and gpu to execute it on so that world's nice though and that that's the world i actually find myself mostly in because i found networks that i want to run but i don't have the hardware to run them and so I, i do other things.
0: That makes sense. And this is the instance where I was at Google I.O., and specifically, they're creating these TensorFlow modules that are interlinking mm. pieces of hardware that can run TensorFlow oh. at high scale. So, wow. <laughs> <Google>. yeah,
1: <laughs> they yeah, freak Google. me out.
0: <laughs> so, but it seems no, so, like that's what you, know, you would be talking about. This is like literally, yeah. hey, I have this amazing module of, 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 uh, uh, that I want to run and I have this machine learning stuff that I want to do, but my little surface book, you know, only has eight gigs of Ram and I don't want to crunch this machine learning. (laughs) I'd love to leverage other machines or the cloud to crunch that stuff for me.
1: Right. And so you mentioned Azure's, uh, services. I actually don't know those ones very well. Uh, I started to look into it at one point. They kind of had their own language for specifying networks and inputs and outputs, kind of like you mentioned before. And I got a little frustrated because honestly, it was, it felt like, um, Why are you reinventing the wheel, Microsoft? You know, like every neural network out there is a Python script. That's just what they are. You know, that's how everyone writes them. So why don't you just give me an easy way to execute these stupid scripts? But of course, Microsoft said, no, this is a better way to write neural networks. So I don't have much experience with them. But knowing Microsoft, I'm sure they did an awesome job with it. And it's probably super powerful. Can you speak to it at all?
0: I can. Yeah, so a little bit. I mean, I'm not a data scientist, nor do I know anything about machine (laughs) learning. Besides that, it's cool. Cool. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of data inputs. And what they've done is the Azure machine learning, from my um, understanding, is it's all cloud, right? So you have all this data incoming. So you have like, let's say you have tons of blob storage or table storage. Mm-hmm. And what they enable you to do is actually now is they have hundreds of built-in packages so you can actually start doing Python scripts and R scripts. So you can run all oh, of that up there if you okay. want to, and cool. then kind of go from there is like an idea of it. And it's all in this new Cortana machine learning thing. I don't really know, but there's, they have like data sets, conversions, inputs, outputs, data transformations, and then you can use all these libraries. So I think if you were used to, to statistical functions in R or Python language modules, you can add those in to say, here's my data, run this Python module or run this R script on it, and then it'll output mm-hmm. uh, everything that you need, your results and essentially, right? Yeah.
1: Okay, so that's cool. I did not know that they had that low-level interface, which, again, is basically what I'm looking for, because I'm at the point where I'm writing my own models. And I'm writing my own models because I'm doing tasks that well, let's just get down to it. <laughs> Every task that we're doing these days seems to be the hot dog or not task. <laughs> Here's an image. Tell me what's in the image. <laughs> but um, if you're not doing that particular task, there are less um, baked and built web apps and things to use for it. So you get back down to the script level. But let's actually focus in on the kind of hot dog or not problem because I think that that's that's the one that core ML services best at least you know it's what all their demos are it's what all their pre-trained networks are even though core ml can do a million things but it's a fun task too like who doesn't want an app that tells you what's in an image
0: yeah well and i was you know so i'm used to these things that we have at microsoft called cognitive services i don't know how familiar you are with them
1: Uh, unfortunately very little so tell me more
0: so cognitive services, which I really think is maybe the the premise of a lot of what we're doing, when I think about simplifying machine learning, that's kind of what I think about. Mm-hmm. To, me as, to me, as a developer, what I want is give me a simple API, I give you a blob, you give me back some JSON, and I'll figure it out. Now, that's not really the goal of, of Core ML. Core ML is saying, hey, listen, you have the model we're putting on the device, there is no API, Core ML is the API, you don't even have to leave the device. Now, what cognitive services are, is they're a a bunch of different um, APIs such as um, vision APIs, speech APIs, language, mm-hmm. knowledge, and search and things. So some of these, yeah. for instance, are older bing search things for like oh i'm gonna you know do an auto suggest api or a new search or a web search or a video search in custom search you can essentially create custom search apis or auto suggestions based on all this that you have but knowledge for instance or cool is you can create a recommendation api that predicts and recommends items that your customers may want so you have a catalog of items and then um, you can tag all those. And then based on what your users are looking at, you can essentially say, if they're looking at this, you could recommend these other video games with a probability or whatever. <laughs> they have a whole bunch of these, yeah. right? So language could be like a spell check API, um, text analytics, translation APIs, as you would expect. And there's other cool things such as speech recognition APIs. So you could give it an mm-hmm. WAV file. It'll give you back the audio. But I think vision is cool because that <laughs> has to do with literally machine learning like you're talking about so yeah. they often show content moderation of like is this a naughty audit <laughs> image or a good image or whatever right but they have this thing called computer vision API and so there's three things that I really like there's computer vision okay. face API yep. and emotion API mm. so Frank you've mm. probably seen me demo a billion times of me taking a photo of my face and seeing how happy I am
1: now mm. No, no. no. What I've seen is the classic Jon Snow, and it picks an emoji to go with Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. And it always comes up with a sad tear face for (laughs) Jon Snow. (laughs) That'd be pretty good.
0: There was actually, um, yeah, there was um, the emotion API that they have. But you could probably do that for that is uh, my one, uh, one co-worker, he built a face game where it would say, be happy or sad or, you know, um, still or whatever, whatever the different facial mm-hmm. emotions are. And it would take a photo of your face and my face uh, and then it would compete. Uh, and what it's doing is essentially <laughs> sending <happiest>? that blob. <laughs> who's happiest? Yeah. Be the happiest. <laughs> It would take that image and then send it up to Azure to do the learning on it and return you a bunch of results that you could then propagate mm. um, back yeah. and forth. Now, the computer vision API is the same, but the difference is that what it does is you send it an image and it'll give you a bunch of description tags. So yeah, be you can literally fun. go there. Yeah, you can literally go into the cognitive service and and you can. there's a bunch of samples, but one is like a drawing of a lion and it'll say tags, drawing And it's a line drawing confidence level this much. Now, it doesn't actually know it's a lion. But if you go and look at um, the city, it'll say, well, this is outdoor city building photo, you know, background and the confidence level of the sky or whatever. Now, it's not. It's not really doing a machine learning of saying, yes, this is what it is. This is wasn't, is it what it is? It's saying we have all of these images and Bing ever that we photo tagged based on your image. <laughs> we'll try to detect what's in it. Right. Not really machine yeah. learning and the quorum. It Im- it's probably it machine learning.
1: Yeah, yeah. So let's think about all the things we can do with images. (laughs) So uh, the 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 task, the task we're talking about now is tagging an image. And so that's, um, I'm given a set of tags. So that set of tags might include all the cats, all the different cat species. So lions, tigers, and other cats, (laughs) domestic cats, and then given an image pick, which kind of cat is in the scene. So that's image tagging. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about for most of this time. It's honestly not the most complicated one out there like it's actually pretty easy for these networks to do it so we can use some pretty small networks that can accomplish this task very well but there's other things you might want to do like perhaps I want to know where in the image is the tiger, right? Because just knowing, or maybe there's three tigers, and I wanted to say there's a tiger there, a tiger there, and a tiger there. That's more advanced. And uh, it, it's a separate task to train the network on that, but it's totally doable. And that's kind of the one I'm a little more interested in, personally, myself. But then there's other things you can do where um, they call it uh, giving a description of the image. So you wouldn't just say, uh, is it a tiger or is it a lion? You would say it's a tiger sitting in the savannah with a cloudy sky overhead. It can actually give you a proper description of the image. And I'm not sure if the, uh, seeing app on iOS from Microsoft does that one in particular, but it's, there's a very famous neural network that can do that. And I'm excited to get that thing running on iOS just because it creates these nice textual descriptions of the scene, which is quite a big improvement over just sending you a list of tags and probabilities.
0: Yeah, because to me, like, then I have to decipher it. I have to analyze yeah. it. Now, <laughs> I will say this stuff is cool because I know that Mike James, he did a really cool app originally where he, he would do, he bi- basically built Hot Dog or not, I swear, like a year ago with this, this API. But what he would do is he would say, oh, I'm going to take a photo of a cup, and then I'll, I will see if cup is in the tags that are returned. Yeah. It's not right. really yeah. a... Prob. I mean, there is a probability, but it's not going to necessarily. It's not. I You're not using
1: the probability. You're kind of ignoring it at that point. Yeah. Did it just show up on the list, kind of?
0: Exactly. It didn't. It didn't necessarily say like I train this advanced model to do facial recognition of this thing or of these types of coffee that are coming back to really say, mm-hmm. like, is this good coffee? Bat? Is it espresso or is it a latte <laughs> or is like what is it? Right. Yeah specifically to get those probabilities out so how would you compare these services these these are essentially these are essentially machine types of machine learning as a service right they're not neural networks yeah. as a service i guess they're mm, they, or are are. they? i
1: would call them that i would you totally know. call them that so let's talk about this customvision.ai. so this is a website you can go to it's microsoft you sign up you can upload a bunch of images and start tagging them uh, i think it said a thousand tags max I, I missed how many tags you can do but they give you a nice uh, free set to start with so you can start doing all of this for free it's a great UI actually a little <laughs> a little slow to use a little clunky but I mean compared to Python scripts this is pretty great so you can just upload a bunch of images and start selecting what's in the scene and after that you literally just hit a button and it magically works so um should we (laughs) i i want to extol all the virtues of this because this is pretty amazing and pretty awesome but i also want to talk about the trade-offs what you're losing by doing it this way so this is james
0: so this is creating a model and a neural network as a service in
1: i would say even more particular they have a neural network and they're yep. training it as a service. You I don't see. actually get to choose the network other than when you do a, a new project in this, it does give you these, what, what do they call them? Categories or categories, something like that? For, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that. Oh, domains they call them domains and in these domains you're kind of choosing a network to start with is what i think is going on my best guess you know it's hard to tell exactly what's going behind the scenes but this is good because um in the case of image tagging there's a few well-known networks that work very well i mean you honestly (laughs) this isn't rocket science so it's it's good that they're picking the network for you to start with now that said, they're doing something very interesting. The first thing that caught my eye was how few images they required to train this network. It was five images per tag, which after doing this stuff for a while, for me is insane. It's that's an incredibly low number, five images. I usually think about 10,000 or 100,000 images.
0: Yeah, like I think that. when we were talking about creating your own neural network and model, essentially it was like, hey, you, you have the neural network and you're going to feed it tens of thousands of images so you can get really, really yeah. good. right? So if you have five images, is it going to be good at
1: all? So How here again, I'm i am going to make some guesses. Okay, okay. so let, let that just be known. But the technique that we usually use for something like this is... You train a very big network. The kind of gold standard is this network called VGG. VGG. Wow, that does not go over the air very well. (laughs) 16. VGG, 16. And this is a very large network. Apple actually has it pre-trained for you for Core ML. You can just go to Apple's website and download it. That's a very big guy. 500 megabytes. And the problem there is because it's such a large network, it did require millions of images to train. I hope I got that number right. I think it's around a million. So how do they how do they do this trick James? How do I only have to upload 5 images? Yes, well, Frank. How do, do I have to do only 5 images? <laughs> All that lead up. Yes. <laughs> for own oh, for free, for free even. You don't even have to pay. I like that. Um yeah, it's awesome. So it's smart. All these networks are actually just layers. Um it's a big stack you know so we we go from the input to the output through a bunch of layers and what they do is you cut off that last layer and you retrain only the last layer the idea being that the majority of the network that internal all those internal layers still remember how to recognize basic shapes eyes noses ears chairs edges doorways trees leaves it understands those basic concepts what all it needs to do is translate those concepts into a, a composed image to decide is this a person or is it a mouse or is it a dog or is it a cat a lion etc so they just retrain that Last bit of the network and that's why they don't need tens of thousands of images. They just need to retrain that last layer.
0: So do you think that you could upload five images of hot dogs? And one maybe not of a hot dog. And do you think that with, <laughs> I mean, with this, uh, I've noticed that they have an export to Core ML, which seems very cool, which is why I brought it yes. to your attention. I read we this have blog to talk post. about
1: that, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, so you've trained it, and you're training in the... Cl- what I like about this, by the way, and why I wanted to talk about this as a topic, because as an avid core uh, or as an avid machine learning um, person... <laughs> That is of Thank interest. You. I can't think of the word because I've been presenting all day and podcasting, it, but <laughs> poor guy. As a as a machine learning <laughs> human human <laughs> developer, that's very interested but not an expert, right?
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: This intrigued me because they're like, "Hey, just drag and drop a few images." You know, just describe what it is and we'll just do all the work for you. And in fact, we'll give you a core ML model to put in your iOS 11 application.
1: That seemed cool to me. It's fantastic. Yes, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I'm going to put that on hold just for a minute, but it is fantastic because I just wanted to address really quick what you said, uh, when I'm doing hot dog or not, do I do five of a hot dog and one of not a a real quick, if you're going to do something like this, this actually going to work in the real world. So people will be comparing random objects and trying to find out if they're a hot dog or not. What, what you... You kind of need to weight it towards the not hot dog side because if you think about it, the majority of all objects in the world are not hot dogs. <laughs> and so you don't want to train the network assuming that 50% of all the objects in the world are hot dogs and 50% are not. Whereas the truth is very few objects in the world are actually hot dogs. So you would want to weight it toward not hot dog, oh, I which see. makes training this kind of network harder because it's actually a very specific thing you're looking for. But mm-hmm. so I would weight it toward, I would have like a. You know, two hundred images of not hot dog, and a hundred or fifty images a hot dog. But it okay. really depends on their network. But it's never you. you do want to think about it a little bit now. Am, a priori am I, probabilities.
0: Am I uploading when I'm uploading not hot dogs? Okay, because I think the, the real topic is is if this <laughs> a podcast is creating hot dog or not? Like how you would actually do yeah, it. Yeah. So yeah. would I upload then like five images or fifty images of hot dogs, and then two hundred images? Of hot dog like objects such as cucumbers and carrots and buns, like hot dog buns
1: no if this is an app meant to be used on the iphone that means it's going to be presented with the world's objects every object you've ever seen in the world so you need to train it on every object that it's normally going to see in the world it has to experience all that stuff so it can learn how to differentiate between hot dogs and not hot dogs so i need a Uh, wide you don't you don't actually want to be clever you just want to be random you want Go go to your photos <laughs> directory and randomly select a um, hundred photos as not hot dog. Now can and I? And then ask, you'll have to go find hot dogs.
0: Can I ask you a question? Yeah, I will have to find. I don't know when the last time I ate a hot dog was. But um, <laughs> now can I ask you a question? When we're creating these models does it put my image data into the model? Like what is actually physically in the model?
1: Uh, you don't have to worry about that. Um, so the image, like your training image will not survive fully intact in the model. That's, a tiny bit of a lie <laughs> because you can do what we call over training a model and that's where you've given it so few things to learn from and the model is actually very intelligent that all it actually ends up doing is memorizing inputs and outputs we it's an ungeneralized model as in it can't understand anything it hasn't seen before but what it's ended up doing is just memorizing its images so in that case but this is not a case you want to be in. Yes, it is kind of memorizing your images and your images are in there in a very strange encoding that would be very hard to pull out. But technically, yeah, they are in there. Okay. But it's not something you normally have to worry about because you want a generalized network. And in that case, your image gets decimated and decimated and decimated and it just doesn't exist anymore so you really don't have to worry about your input training set unless okay. you're overtrained.
0: so i put in a few hot dogs i put in a bunch of other things that are not hot dogs <laughs> exactly. and then this thing is going to export either of or i can make a restful service call which actually means i have a cross-platform um, type of thing because i could put that on android without having to bet anything until the, you yeah. know whatever this is cool know, google does yeah
1: whatever google does yeah so this is super cool after you hit the training button it just gives you a bunch of urls and then i guess in your app if after you take a picture you just upload the image to the url i didn't actually look at the full uh, protocol for going back and forth but it's just an HTTP URL but then yeah the super cool part is that they'll export it as Core ML for you and isn't that awesome I did that and uh, just on my stupid little example it it was a 3 megabyte model which I was actually a little surprised at I thought it would be a little bit of a bigger one if it was based on VGG then it would be the size of VGG so this is not anything nearly as sophisticated as VGG but But you've seen, I I gave a demo in the past of a very small network, uh, SqueezeNet, that was able to recognize a thousand different objects, and that was only about three megabytes. So you can do a lot in these three megabytes, but this is not the absolute most sophisticated model you'll ever see. But it's still so awesome that you can just download a Core ML file, throw that on the phone, and now you have a vision app. Pretty much it's so simple. So simple. I love it.
0: Are you blown away? It's just like, it's essentially like you said. <sighs> it is yeah. these services that are bringing this up to now is Now, is this essentially the future of machine learning? It's just like everything as a service, yeah. everything as a service?
1: Yeah, this is the new Excel. What we need is a new version of Excel that has machine learning built into it, because we always keep talking about images and tagging images, but it's just as good at tabular data, CSV files and Excel sheets. Mm -hmm. It can do predictions from that kind of stuff, too. And so what we're seeing here are people learning how to write the new Excel, if I may be so bold. You know, I think in 10 or 15 years, we'll have an app that can do all this stuff, but in a more general and awesome way. But that said, we are stuck in this terrible Python, Linux, Docker world of neural network training. Mm-hmm. So my God, anything that gets us out of that world, I am happy with. Everyone who knows me knows I love GUIs. I do not want to work at the command line. Command line is for the 70s, not <laughs> the 2000s. <laughs> I don't t- t- tell Miguel so I that. This.
0: Just saying. Um, I am definitely well, a GUI very, person.
1: Yeah, and I'm very jealous of this because I guess... I've mentioned on the show before, after you've worked with these networks for a while, you want a higher level interface to it. Like no one wants to work at this low level, writing JSON files and dealing with all that garbage. Um, So I'm a bit jealous of this because I I was going to myself write a little something like this, but for different networks. And so I think these kind of web UIs for quickly training networks are just going to become more abundant and more sophisticated.
0: Hmm. That's pretty cool. Now, As as we go through this and I have billions of images, I'm going to have to sit there and I'm going to have to transcribe every (laughs) single one over and over and over again. Yeah,
1: it's terrible.
0: Now, are there ways to get around that? I know you've you've we've talked about you have told me about some other services to help with this a little bit. Like what else you got?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to throw this out there because uh, when you start doing machine learning, the first thing you realize is, oh my God, I don't want to deal with all this data myself. It's just so much data, you know? <laughs> and so... um if, if you don't have interns i think interns are the best way to go make them tag a bunch of data but if you don't have them then there are mechanical turk services out there specifically you can use mechanical mechanical turk and you know just throw a bunch of images at people and tell me which one of these you know 50 tags is in this image and just have a bunch of humans go through and do it for you the nice thing is in this modern world um Even setting that up has gotten simpler. There's one service I use called Scale API, which makes literally tagging images like an API call. You just upload the image... And a human does it, but eventually you just get you just get a response back of the image all tagged. It's a mechanical Turk, a human's doing it, but you do it from an API perspective. That's so cool. like your app doesn't really know. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And so it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. And so I'd love to see that thing coupled with uh, something like this Microsoft one that actually does the training. You know, we got we to gotta get all these things combined, you know, have some humans tag it for me, have the computer train it for me. That way I don't have to do a darn thing. And I think that's the point we're all trying to get. To.
0: Yeah, I think the idea that I <laughs> really I, like is that is that I'm going to offload a bunch of work, and the the computer can't figure out what's in it. I got to tell it what it is, and the best way is to have other people do it if I can't sit there and do it the entire time, which I think is pretty. Yeah. Great.
1: Yeah, like um, there's an app I've always, ever since the original iPhone, I always wanted, which was a car identifier. So you point the phone at a car and it'll tell you the make and model and maybe the year or something like that. Because I always get in debates with myself, about what kind of car is that? And I don't want to be weird and walk up to it and look at uh, the VIN or anything. Um, So I've always wanted that app. And so if you need training images of a hot dog or not, you can just scrape Google, you can scrape Flickr, you know, uh, there are a lot of image searches out there where you can get something. But if you need a specific domain, as in what vehicle, what specific vehicle is this, then you're going to end up having to do that manually. That's your contribution to the world that you're building a new intelligent network that can recognize cars but maybe you don't actually want to do that work so you use something like scale api or mechanical turk and actually have other people do it i think there's going to be a lot of this over the next few years yeah. as we just build up bigger new new and bigger networks
0: so are we at a point right now do you think in general that we could go from hey i want to go build this app that needs the hot dog or not that i can have all the services at my disposal, because it seems like at this point, when we keep talking about machine learning. There's the services, there's the neural networks, there's the actual APIs of the devices that we're using to get this data out. It's all these different processes coming together. Do you think that we're at the point now where it's like it's go time, right? And is it because of Apple?
1: Oh, uh, Actually, I'm going to go, it's because of Apple and Microsoft here, this custom vision.ai, this, this is what we needed. Uh, Core ML is great, but they don't help you on the training side at all. And Microsoft here has just given you this free trainer, <laughs> which is pretty great, you know? So at this point, if you have any kind of vision task in your head, yeah, it's go time. There's no excuse at this point. It's super easy and it's, to make all this work together.
0: And then at that point, is Core ML an open standard? <sighs> because if so, could that be the could that be the new standard, right? You talked about TensorFlow it, has yeah. and this one has we gotta export, yeah. convert, like let's just get one, right?
1: Yeah. Um The only reason I'm hesitating is because it's Apple, and they always seem to drop the ball on this kind of stuff. I would love Core ML to be the standard, but I don't know if that's my Apple fanboy. It's a generally, um, they just use protocol buffers, you know, like Google's protocol buffers, and it's just a very simple format with different layers for different neural networks. It very well could become a standard. The problem is all the people who do neural network research and actually, Actually, build original networks are all academics using Python in their own little world. I don't think they care about the industry at all. <laughs> you know, we're coming from an industry perspective, like engineer. We want to use this stuff, and they're from the scientific. Hey, man, I built this network. It's up to you to figure out how to fit it onto your stupid phone. So I would hope that that world could change a little bit, and they would embrace what the industry needs. But there will always be that split of us having to, frankly deal with the scientists and their idiotic formats <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're getting there but um I, I would love to see it as a standard what we need is the github of core ml models Ooh. hopefully we'll have one of those eventually yeah yeah kind of like there's of pre-trained networks
0: pre-trained yeah. networks there's, there's like the loady lottie files or LODI files there's the what else did we talk about the <laughs> um, um
1: for just a cl- pre trained stuff? Well, no,
0: just collections of stuff, right? You have the, you know, you know, basically when 3D printing was terrible because you had to go create the 3D oh, model. Yes. Now there was like the repository <laughs> thing averse, yes. right? We need the yeah, ma- yeah. machine learning averse. Um, yes. Yeah. Don't, that's a terrible uh, now here's domain. The ch-
1: Here's the joke, though. There, there are a lot of these little startups, a lot of little Y Combinator ones, that all claim to be the GitHub of machine learning. <laughs> they all say that, but they forget the important detail of making their service, you know, good um, and useful and actually worthwhile because they're all basically stuck in the past and so they all call themselves the github of it but none of them are there none of them are that good what we need and frank
0: maybe you are the (laughs) one to build it is we need a as a service uh, a model to model converter so i can shove in a tensorflow (sighs) model and output a core (sighs) ml model and then convert that to another type of model and they can all standardize and then no matter what any developer is creating with a model, can <laughs> shove it into your magical generator box that outputs all the other stuff for me automatically. Do that. That's your weekend hack. Holiday hack. That sounds wonderful. In September.
1: <laughs> well, Apple released Core ML tools. That's how we all convert our models right now. But in the neural network world, they only support one piece of neural network software called Keras, K E R A S. Karas itself uses TensorFlow, but it's funny, you can't ha- take just a TensorFlow model and turn it into a CoreML model. It has to be a Karas model that you convert. So their script is even pretty limited now. So you want universal conversion and they go one to one right now. <laughs> and so we need to we need to pump that up to, you know, five to one or five to five, even better, to bounce between them. Yeah. Not there. One day. We don't have a standard. It's early days but i love that microsoft is embracing Coramel. that's just smart of them and i hope all their future stuff supports it too yeah
0: i'm excited when i saw Anything this i sent it to you i was like we got to talk about it because i think it's really cool as a as i said a machine learning non uh, you know ad advid novice that's the word i was looking for the whole podcast i'm novice. a novice oh. novice machine oh. learning expert um it's contradictory there anyways all right frank anything else you want to talk about now that we've put the entire listener audience to sleep with machine learning algorithms
1: do you think we did no we just enabled them to write hot dog or not in 30 minutes that's almost as good as me writing it so i feel like i've accomplished my bar competition
0: i love it well i'm gonna go play around (laughs) so i'm happy i'm gonna download the entirety of my google photos upload all of them into this um computer vision stuff and see what comes out i'm excited (laughs) And go from there. I am too.
1: I'm going to train the most silly things.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, let us know what you're doing in your world of machine learning and Core ML with iOS and TensorFlow and all that goodness. And what else you want to hear in the AR and machine learning. I swear, like I told Frank, every other <laughs> Our episode. podcast is AR. No, no, it basically is. Let's be honest with this. Um,
1: we'll, we'll get back to Xamarin Forms next week, people. We promise. Yeah.
0: You let us know what you want to hear. Well, or you, do we? No, don't. Yeah. Well, you can leave comments about your machine learning experiences when you go to mergeconflict.fm. You can tweet at us at mergeconflict.fm on Twitter. And of course, reach out to me and Frank and make fun of us about how much we geek out about machine learning every single
1: <laughs> week here. <laughs>
0: at James Montemagno and at Proclarum. And I think that's about it, Frank. Anything
1: else from you? Yeah. No, nothing at all. All right. I think I bored him. Yeah. Good. <laughs> well,
0: until next time, I'm James Montemagno.
1: And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening.